0: Thank you everyone for joining us in this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady and I am here with Nancy Lamaster, who is the committee chair with the Institute for Supply Management for the Hospital Purchasing Manager's Index Report, a critically important report this month for what is happening in the hospital sector. Nancy, thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you, Tim, for having me.
0: Well, I am anxious to hear what's happening in the hospital arena. They are under incredible pressure with the COVID virus again spiking. What's happening in terms of business activity, new orders, and how are people coping with the comments you hear, Nancy?
1: Well, obviously we're still in a growth um, mode um, with business activity. Metrics came in slightly lower than in July, but still very strong growth. The PMI at 60.4, down from 62.8. Business activity at 66 versus 69.5. New orders up a percent at 65.5. Back order of law of orders 64 versus 66. And I think the reason that those numbers might be just slightly lower is because we're really in that transition period again, where the COVID virus is spiking and it's starting to push out the elective procedures. And every time this happens, the hospitals have to kind of go into this this balance mode, where you know they don't want to be hundred percent COVID if they can avoid it, but as the as the beds fill up with COVID patients, they're they're struggling with both capacity and labor to be able to handle both of those. Um, And the labor number was really discouraging this month. It came in at 46 versus 48 the prior month. Now it's only two months of contraction, but the comments, the comments, Tim, were just kind of heartbreaking in terms of the pressure the staff is under um, both physically and emotionally with another COVID spike. I mean, we were not long ago, you and I were talking about maybe the worst was behind us and that, you know, with right. the vaccine and, and things were were getting better. Um, but this this wave has taken an extremely both physical and emotional toll as these frontline workers are seeing people that, you know, in their opinion, this could have been avoided you know, and they're not only sick, they're dying. The spike in, in deaths is is significant again. Um, so on one hand, you just have this feeling that what I'm doing isn't, isn't working. I'm losing my patients. And then that's coupled with the pressure on wages. So, you know, from the manufacturing and the service report, everybody's hiring. So especially our non-tech clinical workers, your housekeepers, your food service, your supply techs, you know, um, they can make a lot, you know, significant salaries outside the hospital. So hospitals, I mean, even in St. Louis, which is a more conservative wage market, uh, the two major systems have just increased their minimum wage to $15. And it was 950 only a couple of years ago. So there's competition for the labor. And there's just the stress of working in such a challenging environment um, coupled uh, together. And that is making it really hard for hospitals to recruit and retain labor.
0: And Nancy, when you talk about business activity and new orders in the hospital arena, that's really patient influx. Is that correct?
1: Yes. So, um, you know, I think of business activity, be it inpatient beds or activity in the emergency department um, as what's going on right this minute and new orders as what are people planning so you know you can see with new orders going up that people are trying to get in that's more the elective type volume right they're trying to to schedule that's what's in the pipeline and then that backlog of orders of being you know people that aren't even in the pipeline they're you know, the challenge, the schedule's full, they're having to put people off, you know, I had a, a friend that had, uh, lives in a rural area of Missouri, which has been so hit so hard with COVID, uh, n- just needed a diagnostic MRI, and they had to postpone it for two weeks, because the hospital was so full, and all the ancillary time slots were filled with Caring for those inpatients, so you get a, a pretty significant ripple effect, even in things you don't necessarily think about, like CTs or MRIs. Um, you wouldn't think of them being influenced by COVID, but but they are.
0: And it's a scary time for the medical staff because they have to take in a patient for a MRI who is now in an environment where COVID, which is a airborne virus, is pretty concentrated. Right. So they. I know they're concerned about the risk. Now let's talk about the personal protective equipment. Uh, When this demand spike hits a hospital, they have to have on hand all of the PPE and other equipment that they need to treat patients. How are they coping with that?
1: Well, it's interesting, you know, the past couple of months, you and I've talked about the fact that, you know, the inventory sentiment uh, was that they had too much inventory on hand Inventories were contracting um, and a lot of comments about burning off the PPE and you know feeling, again, like maybe we were coming out of this. Um, last month, we talked about, well, I wonder if the comments, which were talking about supplier delivery, uh, slowdowns, um, just concern about needing to maybe build back some inventory were a prelude. But the numbers this month were, were just beyond what I ever anticipated. The inventory level went from contracting to growing. It jumped 14 and a half percent in one month. So we went from 47.5 to 62. Um, and there were a lot of comments about sort of this, you know, collision of factors of, you know, slow deliveries and then uh, another spike in COVID needing more PPE again. Um, and, and just uh, kind of that collision, um, even our, our touchless order metric, which we look at from a hospital perspective of how, how the hospitals can uh, replenish their inventories without having to manually touch the process because they're set up to be automatically filled by their distributors that dropped nine and a half percent into contracting mode. And again, it was, we're having to deal with all kinds of substitutions. We're having to source from different areas because we can't get the product from our normal uh, source. Um, So really seeing a big pickup in August of, of starting to build inventory again and starting to really feel the effects of, I think it's been 21 months that supplier deliveries have been slow and slowing, Um, you know, it's just really coming to a head with the increased spike again in COVID and just this um, unknown um, factor that they're trying to manage for at this point.
0: Yes, and that unknown becomes more unknown as we go into the fall months and the winter months when these viruses tend to be particularly active Uh, Nancy, is the expectation by the hospitals at this point that they're not going to see this back off anytime soon?
1: There is a lot of concern, yes, that, you know, I guess we got excited really fast the first time with the vaccines and we really thought, you know, everybody would get vaccinated and we would kind of put this behind us. And then now what we've seen is that that wasn't the case. Um, we've seen this big spike in infections and now we've seen a, a lot of people out and about over Labor Day. So, you know, I think that everybody's gonna be really cautious this time and not get ahead of themselves in terms of thinking about how fast we'll be able to come, come through this. Um, I think they're also trying to figure out and be ready for, as you said, not only do viruses uh, kind of peak in the fall winter months but at the year's end, is normally where we see an increased demand for elective procedures as people go through their deductibles. And you know that's that's a good thing for hospitals, those elective procedures. They wanna be able to try and figure out how to manage the COVID spike without having to cancel all their electives. With the slowness in supplies, I think our, our supply chain professionals are really trying to figure out how to be ready for these different Uh, demands, these different volume demands, be it elective or be it PPE, um, and plan for the future kind of without going into hoarding panic mode.
0: Right. I know that a lot of our supplies come in from Asia, and there are a number of ships parked offshore waiting to get into port and get offloaded, 44 at the Port of Los Angeles, all up and down the West Coast. I know they have ships backed up at the port in Vancouver coming in from Asia, and we tend to think of this event as the USA, because that's where we are, and that's what's affected. Right. But in fact, suppliers all over the world, particularly in Asia, are affected as well, are they not?
1: Oh, very much so. I mean, it's... it's. Um... You know, we we see it on the news every day in terms of how connected globally we are as a supply chain, whether it's hospitals or the manufacturing or the service reports we saw there. And, you know, one of the red flags in the manufacturing report for me was the comment that the the government in Malaysia has um, required factories to go to 60% production to try and slow down the virus spread there. And Malaysia is a, a huge source of raw material for gloves and other healthcare products. So, you know, depending on how long that lasts, um, you know, again, that's that's just another you know disruption in the supply chain, and we're seeing so many of them. Um, and so, again, that factors into how people are thinking about their inventories. Are they going to need to up inventories? On, on gloves on products that you know um, come out of, of Malaysia or will it maybe be a very short term, a couple of weeks um, bump in, in, but you know, I, I was reading an article about the ports in China, and they were saying, you know, they've had three shutdowns recently because of virus spikes. And even a one-day shutdown um, causes this incredible ripple effect across the, the globe.
0: Yes, no doubt. Uh, Nancy, in uh, previous shows, we've talked about a transportability of patient information. We have talked about an interdisciplinary group working with the federal government on uh, you know, supply chain and what they may be able to do there. Uh, next month, I would like to be able to chat with you on what's happening in those two areas to see if we've got some forward movement or national plan to uh, put in supplies and inventory uh, into a national warehouse someplace, I'd be interested in getting an update from you.
1: Okay, we'll definitely look into what is going on in those sectors of of, uh, how do we better manage a national stockpile? What would that look like going forward? As well as some of the uh, activities that are going on within the the federal government to try and encourage the interoperability of of medical records. I think that's that's a really big um, and important area there. I do know that um, in the most current now, Spike of COVID, the, um, the national uh, ventilator loaning program that was put together by the American Hospital Association and, and ARM um, and several other bringing together hospitals who um, would loan ventilators to hard hit areas, especially uh, like the rural areas, you know, Florida, Texas, et cetera, that has been reactivated. Um, and is underway again and so it's another example of a program you know a slice of silver lining you know that came out of the crisis where hospitals got together with other agencies and and created a way to help each other um, do get through some of the worst parts of the spikes um, and so i think that that's a you know a good sign of The fact that some of the cooperation we've built, you and I've talked about the challenge of managing uh, in rural areas and the the need for those small hospitals to have bigger systems assist them. This is a a good program that um, will continue, I think, into the future.
0: Nancy, before we close out, I just want to touch on one area that you're a particular expert in, and that is the rural hospitals. Uh, I know that You know, if labor is an issue in the city, it's gotta be a doubly difficult issue in the rural hospital supply chain as well. How are they faring?
1: Well, it's very tough for them. I mean, you know, I think the, like I said, the good news is that other hospital systems are helping them um, but there's only so much you can do. They only have so much capacity. And, you know, we've all seen on the news, the stories of people being transferred hundreds of miles away to find a bed. Um, and that is that is real. That is every day for them. Every day trying to stretch their resources, you know, as is all the hosp- as you know all the hospitals are. And you know, one of the things that um, we didn't touch on, but is is definitely front and center to everybody's mind right now, it, are the areas that are suffering from the hurricane and the the flooding. And you know, those were hospitals that were full. The South was being hit hardest with the coronavirus spike. And now they they're dealing with all of this. You know, previously, when we had a hurricane, everybody could come together to kind of, you know, take resources to that area to help. And and people are are definitely trying to do that. But you've got this demand across the country and the globe, and they're all going to be competing for those resources, be it labor or supplies. Um, and so. You know, it's one of those things where I look at the report and I, I try and look and see whether there's some good news here. Um, the only thing I could come up with was days payable outstanding went down to 48. That means suppliers are getting paid a little faster. But you know, it's it's a serious time in all of the sectors, and I think we have to remind ourselves that we're all in this together. We all have to do our part, whatever we can do, to um, try and help us come through this.
0: Well, Nancy, we greatly appreciate the Institute for Supply Management working with us to make you available for this report. It's very important that our listeners and viewers get the information, which and they can get the report at ismworld.org, and they can watch this episode on our YouTube channel or at jacketmediaco.com, where we have all of our podcasts. Nancy, thank you for joining us. We look forward to chatting with you again next month. Thank you, Tim. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio.